Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for meeting with me today. Look, I've got an idea that's going to change the way that you all do business. Sure, I just uh, need to share my screen really quickly here. Mom! Mom! Mom, do you know who my charger hey, hey, is? Hey, 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 your dad's on a very important phone call. Do you know who my charger is? This stupid class starts in three minutes. Just give me two seconds, just two seconds. Would you get your kids? Get them, do something with them. <laughs> Okay, like a nasty. okay, I'm gonna give y'all about two seconds before I fight one of y'all. Hey, my nuggets caught fire in the kitchen. Wait, my dinosaur chicken nuggets are burned? I guess, but you don't leave yours. No, my nuggies. We didn't even know they were mine. Oh, so this is my fault now. Yes, it is. Forest mode! Hey, man. Can you sign for this? Just right there in the box. You'll give me like two seconds, man. Dude, are you crying? Felix? No. Felix, do you just need to reschedule? No, no, I'm... Everything's perfect. I'm great. Why would you do that? Can you sign? Okay. Okay. You're a real call with executive. Church face. Well, what's up, Victory family? How you guys doing? We got people joining us in the building, and we got people joining us all around the globe from Kenya, New Zealand, New Zealand, and Chile. And I want to also, I want to also acknowledge all of our people, our family, who are back in the building for the very first time. Back in the building. Let's give them a hand. Now, you know that video right there. Now, that video right there is a depiction of how life feels sometimes. Like, it feels that way. Sometimes, just when we think we got life all under control, we got everything together, something breaks. Like a child, a job, like you can break a child. A job, a career, something breaks, and then you give attention to that one thing that broke, and you try to get it all together, then something over here breaks. And then something over here breaks. And then now you find yourself in a world of mess, and life is a mess Sometimes. Now, can somebody in here with me agree that life is a mess sometimes? Yeah. Now, just, just put your hands up. Put your hands up and, and put your amen hands up. You know the amen hand when you shake it. See, some people, some people got an amen hand. Now, keep that hand up. A couple of people, just look around the room and look at all the hands up in here. You know, we look around the room and we wonder, like, we're surprised. We're surprised because, you know, we saw these beautiful-looking people coming in the building, and you guys look good, and you're thinking, you know what? Your life is a mess, too. My life is a mess, too. That things can happen in life that is a, is a complete mess. And the reason why we get surprised is because of church face. Church face. You know, you know. That I'm too blessed to be stressed, blessed and highly favored. Favor ain't fair. Face, 
that we church people put on and walk in the building like everything is okay, but everything is burning down with our mouth. We say, let go and let God. But with our heart, we say, dear God, my God, help me, God. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. You know how it feels sometimes when you're trying to hold it all together and you're trying not to break and you're trying to make sure you, you put your best foot forward and your front face forward just to make sure you look good enough to make the sale to people. I'm good. And you walk away with a little tear. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily know how it all happened, but... You know, at, at one point in time, the church was a place that it was for the hurt people to come in and be healed. But then it just turned into a place where the healed people joined with all of the physicians. It used to be a place where we came and we searched for a savior, a deliverer. But then it became a place where we just came in and all the people who had modified behavior put their best foot forward. That's what we're talking about when we say church, church face. We're saying, you know what? We come in and sometimes we just play the role. And I know why it happens. I know why it happens. It's because when we come in and we see all these beautiful people all dressed up, Smiling, the greeters are all happy. How many of you love the greeters? They're all happy. And here's the thing: I don't want to. And the truth of the matter, I don't want to come into a church where the greeters are all mad. Do you? But we come in and everybody's happy. I come up here and I say, you know, welcome everybody. How's everybody doing? And everything is looking good. And I bless people and I say, we welcome the first time visitors and we all clap our hands. But what you don't know is sometimes when I step on this stage, it's a struggle to get up here. Because there's, there's pain, there's pain, there's hurt in the world that we feel from day to day. And we have to get to, to a point that we are people that we are real with what we feel, that we become real with what we feel. You know, back in the day when you would, you know, you, you, you would put your best foot forward and you put your mask on, um, you put your mask on and you put your church face on, what we would call that back in my neighborhood was fronting. <laughs> you know, we used to say, ain't no future in your fronting. What we were saying was, look, it does you no good to pretend that you are something that you're not. You're not helping anybody by putting on a church mask. You're not helping anybody by putting on a church facade. We could have actually called this, this series Church Facade. I want to read this, this definition of facade for you. Look, look, facade means an outward appearance that is maintained to conceal a less pleasant or less creditable reality. Everyone say facade. We don't want to carry a church face. Here's what we want to do. We want to be people that our insides match our outsides. And that's not always easy because sometimes our insides are broken. And we don't want to come out with broken faces and broken looks. You know, but we're taught this. 
You know, I remember when I first gave my life to Christ, I was two months in, I was a baby Christian. And, you know, I was raw. I didn't really grow up in church like that. So I was raw. I thought that, you know what, if I have something going on in my life, I can tell people about it. How many of you ever thought you could do that? <laughs> so at a group of guys in college at University of West Georgia, somebody shout hallelujah to University of West Georgia. <laughs> Go West. But I had a group of guys that, that, I, that I knew, and I went in, and I told them my struggle. And here's the thing. There was about 30 guys in there. I would say 28 of them, they were like, you know what? We're for you. We're going to pray for you. But then there was two. There was two that were prophets. Uh-oh. And they condemned me. They called me everything except a child of God because I revealed my struggle. And you know what I learned from that moment? I, I kind of took a note. Now, I wasn't, all, I wasn't that saved at that moment. First of all, I wanted to bust somebody in the mouth. Can I say that? I really did. I was two months from the streets, and, the, and I found out that the church was still the streets. Come on, somebody. Y'all help me this morning. You know, and so I realized, you know what? You know, I can't tell everybody everything, but I got to find those people that I can trust because I got to get what's inside of me on the outside of me. I got to be the real, true, authentic me that God has called me to be, and I'm not used to being a fake person. Now, here's what I'm saying to you. There's some people in here. You're not used to being fake. We don't want you to put on a church face no more. We don't want you to be fake no more. And today, what we want to do in our effort to emancipate greatness you know, we're talking about emancipating greatness. In our effort to emancipate greatness this year, we want us to be healthy. And we don't just want to be healthy individuals. We want to be a healthy church. And the way that we do that is when we come in, we can be able to bear our insides as well as our outsides. We want to be able to show that. And so when we speak of emancipating greatness, we say that we are made in the image of God, Genesis 1:27, that we are the Imago Dei, and we were made for the Missio Dei, the mission of God, the greatness of God. But here's what the uh, emancipating greatness is not. Emancipating greatness doesn't mean that you're going to have everything in your life all together. It doesn't mean that life is not going to be a mess sometimes. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be some challenges sometimes. There's going to be some trials in your life and some challenges in your life that you are going to have to work through while God is working on you. Amen? So in this series, we're going to learn over the coming weeks you know, what it means to walk in, a, in an authentic relationship with Jesus. You know, what it, what it looks like to really heal, what it looks like to really walk in an authentic way before God as we try to follow him and, and fulfill the call and the purpose that we have in our life. Now, here's the way we want to start today. I want to start you out with one, one statement, and I want you to say this with me. I am human. I am human. Am human. That means I am human. I am not God, which means I need God. I need God. 
I am human, I am not God, which means I need God. As humans, you know, this year has been a lot. It's been a lot. When we go back to last April or last March, it has been a lot. There's, the world has changed dramatically. There's been racial divisions. There's been political divisions. There's been people falling away from the faith. There's been masks that we don't like wearing. There's vaccines, and whether or not the vaccines are healthy or harmful, all of these things are going on, let alone there's family members and people that you're not able to spend time with because of the social distancing. So we've been impacted, and it's not a question of have you, whether or not you have been impacted. It's, it's a question of how you've been ha impacted. Because we've all been impacted because as humans on this earth, we felt the effect of the globe being broken. Remember I said, got some things around you can break? This year, we find out that the world can break. Man, I never thought I would live in a day that I've realized that everything could shut down. And so we're in a place where we are, we're, 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 it's been a lot. It's been a, it's been a challenge. It's been a lot going on. And if we can think about uh, the story that we, that we talked about last week, we're one week off of Easter. You know, a lot of times we look at that story and all we see oftentimes is the divinity in the story. We see Jesus crucified. We see Jesus resurrected. But there is some humanity in the story. If you think about those disciples, think about the disciples, what they went through for Holy Week. Think about what they went through from Sunday to Friday to Sunday, and then another week after that. That's what we're covering today. What did they go through? For them, it was a lot. I want you to imagine this. Think about it. Sunday morning, Sunday and Monday, they arrive in Jerusalem with a triumphant entry with Jesus. And so there are celebrities Everybody's loving them. They're excited about them coming in. They're with the man. They're with the man. They're with that dude. And they're with him, and they're celebrated as well as Jesus. Then come around Tuesday and Wednesday, miracles are happening. Jesus shows up in the temple, turns everything over, and the disciples are feeling like, look, we got this all under control. Thursday comes around. They have an intimate dinner with Jesus, where Jesus is sharing with them secrets and the mysteries of about, about what's about to happen. And then they leave the dinner, they go over into the Garden of Gethsemane, and the tone changes. The tone changes. They were being celebrated on Monday, it's Thursday, and we find Jesus crying in the garden, and then it's like a SWAT team shows up in the garden. A SWAT team shows up in the garden, takes Jesus away from them. Friday morning, Jesus is put on trial. By 3 o'clock that day, Jesus is dead. So Monday was triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Friday was trial and death. Think about it. And, and don't forget about between Friday and Sunday, there was Saturday. You know, a lot of people say Saturday was silent, but 
According to the Bible, yes. According to the Bible, the Bible doesn't mention much about Saturday, but Saturday wasn't solid. Saturday was grief. Saturday was tears. Saturday was fears. Saturday was disappointment. Saturday was mourning. And we know Psalms 30 and 5, it says joy come in the morning, but it's Saturday and Sunday is not yet come, so Saturday we're still mourning. Sunday comes along, Jesus resurrects, and he appears to the disciples. Now think about all, all that they went through. Put yourself, your humanity, in that space. When you think about all they went through, those of you online, think about all they went through. I want to remind us that in life, you can walk in triumph on Monday, be on trial on Friday, in the grave on Saturday, and resurrected on Sunday. Now, the end seemed great, but there were still the emotions that they carried. Do you have emotions? Do you feel? You know, as I was preparing this message, I began to feel the burden of people. You know, yesterday, came back off a vacation and went to a funeral of a, of a woman who lost her husband. And I sit and I just watch and I'm like, man, you know what? This is tough. But here's, here's the tricky part sometimes with, with us as pastors you know, in this season, we've seen so much and we felt so much that sometimes we have to make sure that we just don't get numb to it, that it's not just another thing. If I'm honest, I would just say to you, look, it's been a lot for me. You know, a little over a year and a half ago, I had to, you know, walk my best friend through losing his 17-year-old son. He's still grieving. They're still grieving. They're still walking through that. My wife lost her closest niece. She's still grieving. And if you could insert what you have lost in this season, it may not be a person. It may be a job. It may be a career. It may be a spouse. It may be the financial status that you have. It may be a close relationship that you had that you thought was going to work out and it didn't work out. It may be hope in our nation. It may be hope in other cult cultures being able to come back together and be one. All of these things that we process through and sometimes we walk in, we put a church face on, and we don't say anything because we don't know if everyone feels what we feel. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to put those amen hands up. If you feel something in this moment, if you feel, look, it is me too. It's me too. Look, I feel that way. I got some hurt. I got some pain that I'm processing through. And today we want to pause and take inventory of our heart and invite God in to heal our hurts. We want to pause and take inventory of our heart and invite God in to heal our hurt. The Psalms 1, 47 and 3, it says this. 
It said he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. I want you to think about this. God is saying to us, you know what? Doctors can heal your bones, and I love doctors. They can heal your bones. They can put, you know, an MRI scan on your biology, but they cannot heal a wounded heart. Only God can do that. And some of you are hurting. Some of you are processing through stuff. And I wish we could just go down to Emory University, get an MRI, get some type of dosage or something that can help us heal some of the hurts and the pains that we feel. But the reality is the only doctor that can heal that type of hurt and that type of pain is the good doctor, Jesus Christ. That's, that's the only doctor that can do that. Matter of fact, I want to just stop right there. Some of you have had some hurts, some pains in your life in the past, in the past that you didn't think you were going to make it through, and you found out through a process, through a season, through walking with God, you found out that Jesus could heal your hurts and your pains. Here's what I, here's what I want you to do. If you know that you know that Jesus can heal your hurts and your pains, look, you may be okay right now, but there may be someone right down the road on you that may, may not know that at this point. This may be your second time in church. You came last week. I'm telling you right now, there's some people in here that have a testimony that God can heal the brokenhearted. The Bible says that he's near to those who have a broken heart, and he saves those that have a contrite spirit. God can heal our broken heart. But we have to pause. We have to pause and take a moment. When was the last time you paused and did a heart check? Today is a good day to do that. You know, you may be saying, look, I'm over that. That's in the past. But here's what I would say to you. What happened may be in the past, but if the pain is in the present, you're still hurting. If somebody touches that spot and it's, ooh, ouch, or it's defensive, or it's like, oh, no, that hurts. Or you retreat, or you run, or you get angry. Mm, some, something might not be healed there. So today, we want to take inventory and invite God in to heal our hurts. Someone say, invite God in. Invite God. We want to invite God in. So, you know, as I was thinking about this story and thinking about the season that we're in, we're one week removed from Easter. We've just heard the story of all the humanity, the emotions that the disciples went through. And they were humans just like us. And I thought it was fitting. I felt like the Lord just led me to look at the story of what happened, you know, after Jesus was resurrected and everything seemed to be good, everything seemed to be great. There was still some emotional things going on with those disciples. There was still some fear happening with those disciples. And I believe that if we look in this story, we look in this story and we make our hearts intent to invite God in, we'll see how we can get healing in this season, how God can heal our hurts in this season. So let's look at this. You know, one of the greatest ways you can invite God in um, um, is through gathering with people. So here's what I want to say to us. Number one, when we purposefully invite God in, number one, we acknowledge that we are human. We acknowledge that we are human. Now, 
Like I said before, to acknowledge that we are human is to acknowledge that we are not God. And I'll say it again. I am human. I am not God, which means I need God. I'm human, I'm not God, which means I need God. And when we think about the disciples in that moment, that Sunday evening, they realized that they needed God. So here's the story. Here's what happens. You know, Jesus is resurrected. A couple of people have seen him at this point, but not the whole group of the of the disciples, and they have some hurt, they have some disappointment, they have some fears that they're processing through, and they need Jesus to be in the situation with them. They need to invite God in the situation with them. Now, here's what I would say. The best way for you to invite God in your situation, the most certain way for you to invite God in your situation is found in a scripture that Jesus shared it wasn't a scripture at the time, but in, in something that Jesus shared with the disciples. And it's found in the scripture in Matthew 18 and 20. If you want to invite God in, look at what it says. It says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with them. Now, sometimes we look at that and we don't necessarily understand that what Jesus is saying is, look, if you want to invite me in, you can't invite me into your situations while you stay isolated. He, he intended it for us to be with the body. And I believe in this moment that we're about to read in John chapter 20, the disciples, they didn't know what to do. Jesus had died. They heard about the resurrection, but they didn't necessarily know what was going on. And so they reverted back to what he said. He said, look, if three, two or three of us gather together, he will be in the midst. So what did they do? They gathered together. They closed the door. They locked the door behind them. And we find ourselves in John chapter 20 where we can get a picture of what it means to invite God in, not just invite him in, but invite us in where we're in a place where we're operating in our humanity. So look, John chapter 20, verse 19, look at what it says. It says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid. You know, afraid is a human emotion. How many of you have ever been afraid before? They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. But look what it says. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. He said, peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Now look, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. Literally, Jesus just shows up in the midst. He shows up in the midst. Now, but, but here's what here, I want you to picture this. But look at how he showed up, though. It says that as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and, the, and in his side. So when Jesus shows up, we know that Jesus is divine. But when Jesus shows up and he's speaking, he's showing not just his divinity, he's showing his humanity. He's showing up and he's saying, look, I'm not just divine. I rose from the grave, but here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that I am fully God, but I am fully man. And he shows them the wounds. He showed him that he suffered as a human. Do you know that you'll suffer as a human? If you say I've never had any hurts 
or any pains. I'm not hurt. Let me tell you, you are hurt beyond recognition. If you say you don't have any scars, any wounds from this life, man, I'm telling you, if Jesus had scars, listen, you're missing something. That's what we call proud flesh. You know what proud flesh is? Proud flesh is, is this condition that usually happens like with horses where you think that you're being healed, but there's a scab that grows over, but the tissues, because of the movement and they're keeping, they're keeping all of the movement, that it's not really healing beneath the surface, but it looks like it's healing. And then after a while, you realize it's not healing because the scab gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That's proud flesh. And some of us don't know we have that, but we have to take inventory. So Jesus shows up with the disciples, and he puts his humanity on display. How many of you have ever stepped into an environment that you didn't see any humanity on display? How did it feel? You probably didn't feel like you should be there. Now, if you felt like you should be there, then that means you got church face on. I'm saying to us, we need to take some note from Jesus that when we show up, that when we gather together and we're hurting and we have some pains in our hearts, some pains in our life, we can show up. If Jesus showed up bearing his wounds and his scars, we can show up bearing our wounds and our scars. And what Jesus is saying to us, this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about you just enough to let you know, look, I want you to bear your scars. I want you to know that that place where the nails were in my hand, look, I'm not getting rid of that. Jesus, the Son of God, he could have just covered that over. He could have just covered that over in his side, but he didn't. The reason why he didn't, he wanted us to know that you are human, that I was human. I'm divine, but I'm human. And here's the thing, we are not divine. We are inspired by the divine, and the greater one lives in us, but we are not divine. Therefore, the thing that we have to do when we purposefully invite God in, we have to acknowledge that we are human. Now, let me make this clear. What that means is, what I'm asking you today, if there's hurts and pains in your life, allow them to come up. Don't push them down. Allow them to come up. Because what we find is the disciples were in fear. By the time Jesus shows the scars and the wounds, they were in joy because of what he showed them. And here's what Jesus said. I'm concerned about you. I want you to give me that hurt. I want you to give me those wounds. I want you to give me those cares. That's what he says in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 8. It says, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries and all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. So when we purposefully invite God in, we acknowledge we're human. Number two, when we purposefully invite God in, we expose our hurt. We expose our hurt. Um, you know, one of the greatest things that, you know, we can be faced with, with all that is happening in the world, 
you know, there's a lot of different feelings and the different emotions, emotions that we feel. But one of the things that I felt like overwhelmingly on my spirit as I was, you know, preparing this message is that there's some people that are just disappointed. You're disappointed because of all of the things that happen in life. You know, maybe you lost a child in miscarriage. You know, maybe you had to be furloughed for a long time and then you end up losing your job. Maybe a lot of your identity was wrapped up in the things that you can buy that you can't buy anymore. Maybe you're just an extrovert and everybody is inside and you need some people to play with. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how deep it is. It doesn't matter how big you think it is. Disappointment can settle in for any reason. Have you been married before? That spouse you got, they are great. They are the best thing since sliced cheese, but you get disappointed in them over small things. Disappointment is the distance between expectation and reality. Whatever you were expecting, when reality settles in, you get disappointed because your expectation or the expectation doesn't measure up to the reality. And I believe in this story, there's one key thing that, that we can look at when we look at the disciples. When we look at them, this Sunday happens and everybody sees Jesus, but there's one problem that happened in this story there was one person missing. There was one person missing. And you, a lot of you, if you've been in church a lot of times, you know the story. Thomas was missing. John chapter 20, verse 24 and 25. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. I don't know why they named him the twin, but he was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe, believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Now, this is where, this is where we got, you know, Thomas got a real bad rap. We call him Doubting Thomas. I don't know why we bully people in the Bible that way. <laughs> you know, I think, I think when we look at that, you know, it's easy to say Doubting Thomas. Yeah, he did have some belief struggles, but, but let's really think about the story. I want you to put yourself, remember, let's be human for a moment. Let's remember that the disciples are human. I want you to think about this. All your friends gather together. They get together and they have the best time of their life. And the guy who brought all y'all together, who had died, he resurrected from the grave. He resurrected from the grave, and he showed up, and everybody was there except for you. Now, would you be salty if all of your friends got together, they had the best time in their life, and everybody showed up, but you were not invited? Now, would you be salty? Put your hands up. All of y'all are doubting Thomas. Thomas was salty. Thomas wasn't just unbelieving. Look, I get that. Look, and I don't want to hijack the story, but Thomas wasn't just unbelieving. Thomas was disappointed. 
He was disappointed that his friend, his savior, his master, you remember in John chapter 11 that when Jesus was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, Thomas was the, was the one saying, look, let's go with him and die. I'm going with you and die. So how can a guy who walked with Jesus like that, who was close to Jesus, who, who said, I'll go with you and die, end up being the one that said, I, don't, I won't believe? There's something in this story. Here's, 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 here's what I want you to know. One of the greatest feelings and emotions that we can feel in a season like this is to feel like we are forgotten. To feel like no one sees us. That God doesn't even see me. I walked with him. I was just with him at the Last Supper. He comes and he, he comes back and I don't even see him. He doesn't even make a mention. Nobody talked about me, but all of the other guys come back and tell me, look, hey, Thomas, we saw Jesus. We had a good time. He showed us the nails in his hands. He showed us all of that. We had a great time. And Thomas is like, you know what? That don't sound like the Jesus I know because that can't be my Jesus. But how many of you over this season have felt like, you know what, the Lord doesn't see me. He's forgotten about me. Some of, you, some of you are here today only to prove whether or not God hears you today. And I want to remind you of this story. In this story, they see Jesus on the Sunday evening of resurrection, the first church service. Thomas missed it. Maybe he, we don't know why he missed it, but maybe he was just going through some things at that time and he needed some time to himself. And I know I'm reading into the story. Maybe he had some disappointment and hurt and we know we had, he had some of those things just by the way he showed up. But here's what I want to tell you. What I want to tell you is this, is that around, look, Easter was last week for us. And come around this week, there's a new story. Just like in the story of the Bible, Jesus resurrected, and then the Bible says a week later or eight days later, around the same time, the disciples convened again. And here's the beauty of this story. The beauty of this story is, look, when you show up, when you show up like uh, Thomas, you have some disappointment, some discouragement. You're not feeling, you're feeling salty about what happened. Look, God is saying, look, expose that. And here's what Thomas did. I think he unknowingly exposed something to the disciples that they could bring God back into the situation. He said, look, unless, unless I see the nails and the hole in his hand, unless I put my hands in the wombs, I will not believe. So he exposed what he needed. He exposed his hurt. I'm saying to us today, we need to expose what's going on. We need to locate what are we actually asking God for. I'm hurt, and this is what I need to see. And we're going to have a moment to do that. I'm going to walk us through a moment to be able to do that. But I want to close out this story just to give us another pointer of what we need to do. So when we purposefully invite God in, we acknowledge we're human. We help other, We acknowledge we're human. We expose our hurts. And then lastly, we help others heal. Now here's the beauty. The beauty of this story is this, is that 
you know, we, we realize that Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 and 16 became ever true. It was so true. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Now, the King James Version says, we don't have a high priest who cannot be touched by the feeling of our infirmity. But in all points, tempted was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we purpose, purposefully invite God in, we help others heal. Now, look, this is what it says in 2 Corinthians. I want to read this to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 4 says, All praises belong to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is the Father of tender mercy and the God of endless comfort. He always comes alongside us to comfort. Everyone say always. always. He always comes alongside us to comfort us in every suffering so that we can come alongside those who are in any painful trial. We can bring them this same comfort that God has poured out upon us. Here's what I want you to know, that you are a part of God's healing process for people. You are a part, you are the hands of Jesus. When you show up and you take off the church face and we, you show those wounds that you've been healed from, you help others heal. When you show up and you bear those scars that you've processed through and you allow people to know that, look, God healed me of something. He can heal you of something. He healed me of those hurts. You're showing up as the hands and the feet of Jesus that took the nails. That's how we show up. You know, when we're thinking about Thomas in this story, I want you to think about this because oftentimes we think that Jesus showed up just because of Thomas's unbelief. But I want to give you another perspective on this. Here's, here's another perspective. It may not just be that he showed up because of Thomas's own unbelief. It may also be that he showed up because of the other, other 11, uh, 10 disciples' belief. Because here's what happens. When you tell someone who's been healed, that you're broken and you're hurting, and they go to Jesus to say, let's heal that hurt. Two or three gathers, Jesus shows up in the midst for that person, not just on account of that person's hurt, but on account of the faith of the believers. You remember when, G when Peter was, uh, was snatched out of prison? He wasn't snatched out of prison because he prayed a prayer. He, he was snatched out of prison because the disciples that was in Roma's house prayed a prayer pray to prayer. So in this situation, what we have is the disciples, they're calling Jesus back into the midst a week later again, just like where we are now. Some of you had Easter and Jesus resurrected in triumph, but you were still in a trial last week and walking through a trial all this week, and you found yourself right back in the house of God. And what we're trying to do today is say, look, we know that you're still hurting. We know Jesus rose from the grave. We know that he was resurrected, but we know you're still 
you're hurting. And so here's what we want to do. We want Jesus to show up for you today. And that's what the disciples did. They wanted Jesus to show up in the midst for Thomas one more time. And so the Bible says when they were gathered the next time, the week later, that Jesus shows up again in the midst. Won't he show up again in the midst? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Jesus will show up again in the midst. Look, I need Jesus to show up today. Do you need Jesus to show up today? Look, if you don't need Jesus to show up today, there's somebody on your row right now. Look down the road to your left and right. You can see it in their face. You can feel it in their spirit that they are hurting and they need Jesus to show up today. So he shows up. Jesus shows up again. Somebody say again. He shows up again, and what happens? He tells Thomas, Thomas, come over here, Thomas. I want you to put your hand right here in my side. Thomas puts his hands in his side, and he declares, my Lord, my God. I want you to know that in that statement, he declared God's divinity in Jesus Christ. He touched Jesus' humanity and declared his divinity all at one point in time. I want you to know in your humanity and how you're feeling today, look, a divine God wants to step into your wounds and your hurts, and he wants to heal us. Say this, I am human. I need God, and I'm not God. I'm human. I need Jesus. So I want to walk us through some things. Um, there's some of you today that Jesus resurrected from the grave, and you're like, I'm, I get all of that, Pastor, but I don't even know half of the things that you just talked about. I've never read the Bible before. Here's one thing I want you to know. I want you to know that you are human and that you hurt and because you hurt, you need a doctor, and his name is Jesus. And I want you to know that he can come into your situation today, right now. And here's how he does that. The Bible says you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead. You'll also say, my Lord and my God, that he'll become your Savior. You shall be saved. I'm going to pray that prayer over us. I'm going to pray that prayer over us now, but then I want us to not just walk out. I want us to take a moment because we want to pause and we want to invite God into this moment. I'm going to give us some steps. So look, if you're online, you're joining us and you've never made that declaration and you need God to heal your hurt, the first step towards that is receiving Jesus. So look, if you're here today, I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes for a moment, not because... This is a private moment, but it's a personal moment. Not because it's a private moment, but it's a personal moment. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross, you were in the grave, and you rose on the third day. And because you rose... I can have newness of life. So Jesus, come into my heart. Take my sin 
and remember it no more. And I repent of it. I repent of the cares. I repent of the hurts. And I just give them to you right now in this moment. Make me a new creature. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so I want to give us a couple of steps. Um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to posture yourself. Now, if you're, if you're on the front row, if you're in the seating on the, on the, down here, in a moment we're going to have some worship playing. We're going to have some prayer leaders. We're going to be able to take a moment. Don't feel like you have to rush. Don't feel like you have to rush out. But if you want to take a posture on your knees, you want to turn around, get on your knees, and think about what we just talked about, that's fine. If you're up in the stadium seating, you know, maybe you just want to bow your head down in your lap and just pause. I believe God wants to speak to some of us because there may be some things that you just haven't recognized and you've been, you've been actually, um, you've actually been responding out of some of the hurts you have and you don't know why you've been responding this way. Some of you have went to heavy drinking in this season because of some hurts that you have. Some of you just are so agitated in this season because of some of the hurts you have, and you don't know why. And it's because you haven't paused. You haven't paused to invite God in. So right now in this moment, I want us to take a posture. If you just want to sit right there, I want you to close your eyes. Take a posture to invite God in. I, I believe just like Jesus showed up again for the disciples that he meet, he'll meet us here again today, right now in this moment. So I'm going to give you some words that you may, just to help us along, because that's some words that may best describe the hurt that you, you feel. Um, you know, some of you may be feeling forgotten. That may be your word. Alone, that may be your word. Angry, frustrated, irritated, confused, shocked, surprised, disappointed, overwhelmed, depressed, sad, lonely, discouraged, hopeless, hurt, apathetic, afraid, anxious, powerless, insecure, forsaken. Now, if none of those words were you, I want you to pray right now, Holy Spirit, reveal what I'm feeling. Reveal what I'm feeling right now. I want us just to pause. It's going to be silent for about 10 seconds. And don't mind the silence. It's a good thing. Reveal, Holy Spirit, what people are feeling right now. Abandoned. Somebody feels abandoned. Now, here's a, another, you got your word, keep that word with you. Now, here's a question, where am I feeling loss? L-O-S-S, -S. 
Where are you feeling lost? And that could be financial. A lot of these things had nothing to do. It was out of our control. It could be financial. It could be relationships. It could be uh, in your energy, your fatigue. It could be lost. Life is just overwhelming. It could be a certain level of loss. Where are you feeling lost? Now, here's the question, the last question. Ask yourself, what do I need to experience in his presence? I want to take us back to Thomas. Even though we kind of look at it and say, man, he was down. Thomas knew exactly what he needed from Jesus. I want you to find out. I want you to locate that. You've located the hurt. You've located the loss. Now, what are you asking Jesus for? What are you asking Jesus for? Now, right there, here's what I want us to do. I'm going to ask the prayer, prayer leaders to come forward. Come forward right now. And, you know, the thing that happened in the story with Thomas was that Jesus told him to reach out and touch. Now, what we have is some leaders here. You know, they have stories, they have scars, they have wounds, but they are healed. Now, I'm going to say this to the leaders. Look, if you have some hurt that you're feeling right now as a leader, I know we have you praying, but if you need to have one of the other prayer leaders pray for you, then let them pray for you. Remember, we're, we're, this, we're not just doing church today. This, this is, we're taking the facade off. We're taking off the church face. And here's what I'm going to ask everyone to do. We're going to step into a moment of worship. As this song is playing, don't leave. This is a part of the service. And here's what I want you to do. If you've located the word, you've located the loss, and you know what you need from Jesus, this is a moment for us to begin to open up and expose the hurt. It's a controlled environment. You're not exposing it to the world. You're going to come up. You're going to, have, you're going to say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I need from God. Now, right now, I want to ask you, I want to pray over you, and I want you, the moment that I finish this prayer, don't hesitate. You need something from God, get up. Don't let pride or proud flesh hold you back. Everyone's just going to sit. Nobody's watching you. Don't be a spectator. Let's pray. If you don't have any hurt or pain or anything like that, if you don't have that, let's pray. But I'm going to pray over us, and then right after I pray, I want you to make your way to the front to receive prayer. The song is going to play. We're not going to worship. We're just going to listen to the song, all right? Can we do that? Can we do that? Father, I thank you for each and every person that's here today that need to be healed from hurts and disappointment and whatever word that they had. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the courage and the boldness to reach out and touch. Touch. To reach out and touch right now. In Jesus' name. I pray for that person who feels abandoned. I pray for that person. Those people who feel abandoned. Right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and make your way forward.